go. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Eastern Airlines will be taking off for New York with Eastern's Transcon four times a day. Only Eastern reserves every single seat in cabin two just for discount travelers. For a very low $149 each way on a round trip, you can fly clear across the USA. Just reserve and buy your ticket at least seven days in advance and stay a Friday night. You'll get full coach service and something more. New York. Eastern's Transcon. I'm there, hide and seek 
table chairs, hot summer nights, and the cool winter snow from once upon a long time ago. Yes, once upon a long time ago. That's the uh, the, the show that we put on every Monday at 1 o'clock. And uh, I've been asked to uh, read a letter, and not ask. I asked them if I could read the letter that was put out by the Silverliners. And I thought it was a very good letter uh, offering membership to a lot of flight attendants that uh, have lost their job because of the downturn of uh, what we see going on now with the pandemic, uh, loss of airplanes, laying off, furloughing, and what have you. And uh, all of these uh, flight attendants are welcome to join an organization that uh, is best uh, described by this letter. Why being a Silverliner is very special. Every member is someone who had the wherewithal to actually apply to be a stewardess slash flight attendant. And more special still, they were successful. They were chosen from hundreds of applicants. We all were chosen to do the best, most envied job in the world. We worked in the sky. We became flight attendants, stewardesses, and suddenly had a new identity. This identity carried a degree of prestige and was looked up by almost everyone. Then for many of our members, for different individual reasons, that special career ended. Do you miss it more now than you ever did? Do you miss the feel of the aircraft in flight? Do you miss the creaks and groans and even turbulence? Do you miss the smells, the eau de boing, as we called it, which permeated our hair, our uniforms, and even our souls? We were crew, a true team who worked together, played together, supported each other, dined together, shopped together, and bonded, like in no other profession except perhaps the military. We faced bad weather aircraft mechanicals, delays, some awful passengers, sometimes fear, altogether as crew. Those of us who flew prior to the last decade had no cell phones, so when we embarked on a nine-day pairing away from home, we consulted our crew members who may have had a fight with their spouse before leaving or was a new mother or those who may have had an ill relative, or were once again missing Christmas, or special family occasions. Yes, we were crew, and that will never leave us, ever. Sadly, wistfully, for many of us, those days are long gone. But not if you are a silver liner. By joining this organization with back-end crew from over 54 airlines, we again renew and retain our crew status. We work together for humanitarian causes, charities, and endless support of each other. We are crew, Silverliner's crew, and we help other. 
we serve our community, charities, and each other. By joining Silverliners, you have this opportunity to remain as crew, to once again enjoy the camaraderie, the new friends, the aviation history, and the very real opportunity to do good for others as crew. Our annual membership for International is just $30 per year, which gives you an annual directory and two incredible magazines. For those not living in an area where a chapter is located, you would become a member of our Coast to Coast chapter, as specific areas of the CCC chapter have grown, we have formed new chapters in those locations. If you are located in an area of an existing chapter, local chapters set their own local dues. Such a small price to be part of a truly unique organization. We hope you will join us and we can say, welcome aboard. Very good letter, uh, Barbara Bacata. I think she is the president of Silverliners. Uh, had it on Facebook. I saw it on Facebook, and I asked her if I could uh, present that on our radio show, the EAL Radio Hour, and also Aviation News and History Radio. And she asked, she said she would uh, be happy that if we did do that. And uh, so there you go. Uh, those that uh, are flight attendants without an airline, here's a way to uh, come together with those that uh, are about the same. Uh, most of them retired. Uh, the Silverliners did start with Eastern Airlines, but uh, they have branched out now to, what, over 54 airlines around the world. So it's a great organization and uh, a great Facebook uh, camaraderie that I see. I've been to a couple of their conventions with our radio show, and uh, it was uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of great gals. So anyhow, you guys uh, uh, have any, let's see, I've got George Jen. He's up in New York. George, how you doing? Is the snow melted in your backyard? Uh, well, it's uh, not such a nice day up here, Neil, although <clears throat> the snow is finally melting. But uh, other than that, not much going on up here right now. Okay. All right. Well, that gives you plenty of time to work on that book that I'm sure that you're almost finished with, right? Yep, you got that right. I have to actually I'm going to uh to do an interview for it this afternoon. All right, very good. And let's see, yeah. right next to you or across the way from you, uh Scott. Let's see, uh Scott, you're uh, you're not too far from George. Well, Scott dropped off the line. I don't know what happened to him, but I hope he'll be back with us. But let's go on down to Georgia. And we've got uh, brother Jim Holder, who we ought to sing a happy birthday song to you, George. Would you like that? I mean, uh, Jim, would you like please, that? Please, 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 don't remind me. Golly, how many times can you turn 75 years old? 75, my uh, almost said a bad word there. Yeah, yeah, yeah 75, 84, my foot. 84, 84, 84 good years, yeah. yeah. Once upon a long time ago, Jim. Yeah, it is. Yeah. A lot of things changed once upon a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay, uh, I see Mike is back with me. What happened, Mike? You dropped the phone? I don't know. All of a sudden, I was listening to nothing. 
well, well, we're listening to you now. So what's going on in your backyard? Well, about the same as George's, but I uh, still so we you know wherever they apply the snow up, those piles are still uh, haven't melted off yet. But I imagine by the end of the day they may be there maybe going. But the, it's supposed to be getting uh, real uh, real cold uh, to over tonight, over tonight, and real windy tomorrow. <laughs> what's cold? What's windy? Well, it's supposed to have a wind chill factor of uh, up uh, like five degrees tomorrow morning. Because the yeah. wind's going to be blowing about uh, whatever, however, 30, 40 knots or something like that. Wow, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. I guess what's that's what happens when the when the isobars get a little too close together. <laughs> well, I can never understand why you guys uh, suffer all of that. You must love pain. You must love cold weather. You must love a a lot mm-hmm. of things that we that Jim Holder and I don't like. Welcome south, brother. <laughs> well, I'm, hey, when, when my house goes on the market, Neil, I'm gonna. I'm thinking about moving south. I, it's Don't forget, it, I got a real estate license. I can help you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I can give you a kickback as long as I notify everybody. <laughs> all right, there you, go. you, got, you got renewed. You go. Yeah, I'm renewed. I'm all renewed, all squared away now. Uh, you know, hey, George, my little brother came in from out of town, and, you know, I've been talking to you about writing a book about his uh, miracle on the golf is what I call it. But at any rate, uh, we had a long session here, and uh, I've learned a few other things about it that uh, I didn't know. But but at any rate, uh, he was here for the purpose of looking at a sports fisherman, a 43-foot boat. That uh, is it. I think he said it was a tiara or something like that. It has a okay. it has a, a lures of a line, you know, beautiful sports fisherman line, a wonderful cabin, uh, even a queen size bed and wonderful uh, flying uh, the, the flying bridge, the tuna tower, and that all all that sort of thing. And I think he said when it was new, it sold for 1.2 million. And so he was there looking at it, and his wife didn't like it because it it had a bad smell to it. Well, it had been locked up, you know, for several weeks, I guess, and until the guy that owned it knew my brother was coming to see it, and uh, so he let him in. And but at any rate, it, he they, he had taken out two coming diesels and put two caterpillar uh, diesels in it that uh, were 400 some plus horsepower each. And uh, brand spanking new, seventy-five thousand dollars each. Wow. And he wanted a hundred and ninety thousand for the boat. So, little brother, I don't know whether he's made up his mind to buy it, but I sure hope he does because it would be it would be a wonderful boat out in the out in the ocean as, as a sports fisherman. So, um, well, the only the only thing I would add, Neil, is that it sounds. What year? What year was the boat? It's about fifteen years old, yeah, and uh, all like, the, all uh, the, all the not, you know everything looks good. All glass cockpit, all uh, Garmin stuff. It's all new stuff. Uh, yeah, well, mm-hmm. it just sounds like it's a little bit cheap, you know. It is. It sounds like that to me. So yeah, at any rate, why, uh, you know? Yeah, but anyhow, I thought well, you might appreciate that. You might get a ride on it uh, if you ever go down to Marathon. I'm sure it'd take you out, and you could show him how to fish. 
<laughs> well, I'm sure he could show me down there because the techniques down south are a lot different than they are up here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, uh, Neil, he could take it out and look down in the water and see his airplane down there, couldn't he? Yeah, he, he could. He could prob- the- <laughs> With those two cater- Caterpillar diesel engines, he could probably pull it ashore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. But you could eat we all those have a engines. New, yeah. A new yeah. name called Captain Quint right now. Captain Quint? Yeah, What's from, from Jaws. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. Well, he's giving uh he's giving the six gentlemen that rescued them, he's giving them a party April 10th on his back porch in Fort Lauderdale. Where I hope mm-hmm. he'll have this boat tied up in the back or a boat similar to it. That's what he's looking for. But uh Peggy and I are going to go down and and uh, visit the party, and uh, I thought that was pretty nice of him to uh, give a party to the guys that rescued them. And uh, but the, the 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 airplane is still at the bottom, and he's been written his insurance check out, so he's out looking for a boat, not an airplane. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot safer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but anyhow. Uh, I'm gonna play a, a song, and then we'll go, we're go. we gonna be uh, getting serious about some good stories here. I know. So here's one that I think you guys have heard before. See what you think of it, and tell me who the singer is. You may have forgotten who this guy is. Every morning at the mine, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot six and weighed 245, kind of broad at the shoulder and narrow at the hip. And everybody knew you didn't give no lip to Big John. Big John. Big John. Big Bad John. Big John. Nobody seemed to know where John called home. He just drifted into town and stayed all alone. He didn't say much. He kind of quiet and shy. And if you spoke at all, you just said hi to Big John. Somebody said he came from New Orleans where he got in a fight over a Cajun queen and a crashing blow from a huge right hand sent a Louisiana fella to the promised land, Big John. Big Bad John. Big John. Then came the day at the bottom of the mine when a timber cracked and men started crying. Manners were praying and hearts beat fast and everybody thought that they'd breathe their last, except John. Through the dust and the smoke of this man-made hell walked a giant of a man that the miners knew well, grabbed a sagging timber and gave out with a groan, and like a giant oak tree just stood there alone, Big John. Big John. Big John. Big Bad John. With all of his strength, he gave a mighty shove. Then a miner yelled out, there's a light up above. And 20 men scrambled from a would-be grave. Now there's only one left down there to save Big John. Big John. 
With Jackson Timbers they started back down Then came that rumble way down in the ground And the smoke and gas belched out of that mine Everybody knew it was the end of the line for Big John Big John, Big John Big Bad John Now they never reopened that worthless pit They just placed a marble stand in front of it These few words are written on that stand At the bottom of this mine lies a big, big man Big John Big John Big John Big Bad John singer yeah, Jimmy, yeah, Dean, every time, Jimmy Dean Jimmy yeah, Dean every time I every time I have sausage gravy and biscuits at deer camp I think of Jimmy Dean <laughs> Big John that's it yeah Jimmy Dean sausage best you can get that's it I know it's sausage it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good have you heard of him George <laughs> what's that Neil have you heard of Jimmy Dean sausage Way up north? Oh, yeah. They advertise on TV up here sometimes, you know. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. They got he's, in all the supermarkets. He's still alive. I see him in these TV commercials. Yeah. Jimmy Dean? <laughs> yeah. Well, he died a long time ago. I know it, but they're still using him in the commercials, though. Oh, oh, the commercial. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, I wonder who gets story. the profits and money from that. I the don't grand, know. Grandkids? Yeah, you Somebody know, I just recently, <clears throat> Yeah, I was just looking at, uh, on Yahoo, they had what these actors are paid for when their TV series is over, and they put it in syndication. It is unbelievable how much mm-hmm. they make. What would you think? Let's say uh, uh, Kramer on Seinfeld, what would you think that he mm-hmm. would make from syndication of the Seinfeld series a year? Take a I'd guess. Say a couple of hundred. No idea, maybe. but it's probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like them. Twenty million dollars a year. It's oh, incredible. My Lord. It's incredible. Now, the Brady Bunch, they're, you know, in the teens a year as long as they're syndicated and still, uh, you know, somebody has picked them up to run the entire series like Hulu picked up uh, uh, Seinfeld series and several other series, of course. But it was unbelievable how much even Lucy, I love Lucy, uh, the, Mm. the owners of that are making millions of dollars a year. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. We got in the wrong business, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Except and George, one so he's good. up there laughing. He's he's an Arthur and about to go Hollywood big time. I know it. I know it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. If I miss one Social Security check, I got to go to prison. Amen. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, now here's a story. I sat out on the back porch with my next-door neighbors, and she's going in tomorrow to have breast uh, surgery, breast cancer she's got. 
And uh, so we had them out on the back porch and, and had drinks, a couple of drinks. And uh, she was drinking water, of course. But at any rate, any rate, we were sharing stories about age and being able to afford uh, all of the things that are going up, up, up. Our homeowner's insurance is going up. My car insurance is going up. Everything is going up. And so I told them if I were single by myself and if I had something serious to happen, I'd go into a bank with a toy pistol. I'd make sure it was a, they knew it was a toy pistol with, with a flag mm-hmm. on the end of it that said bang. That, and I would say, I'd say, give me ten dollars, and then I'd get that. This actually happened. I'm re, I'm reciting a story that actually happened, and wanted ten dollars. The teller gave the guy ten dollars, and he laid the toy pistol on the counter, and he said, "Call the cops." He, he wanted, wanted a free meal. He wanted a free meal and free health and free health insurance. <laughs> And I told uh-huh. him last night I'd do that in a Hong Kong second. If <laughs> well, there'll situation... be some cops at your door this afternoon. Yeah, but can you believe? <laughs> can you imagine how it would be over at Softly Field in Pensacola, at Club Fed, with a salad bar, with television, with uh, free educational options, get your master's or doctorate degree, all of that <laughs> available. I mean, exactly. how can you? How can you go wrong? Well, We're living in America, <laughs> land of the free. Until <laughs> you see how how some of these people live around the world, like over in India and Ethiopia, like I have, then you, no matter how bad it is over here, it, it's a paradise compared to what they got. So I know it's all yeah. relative. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, all relative. You know the definition of relative humidity, which I'm not going to define. Oh, I bet you I know that one, Neil. Yeah, that's what I say. Don't don't define it. What the definition yeah, is? Yeah, that, that's when that's when you have the hots for your sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moisture, <laughs> moisture forms around your belly button. <laughs> oh, this is nasty. Somebody tell me a good story before I have to put a good record on. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to Jim. Jim, what do you got for me? Okay, right. We were talking, you know, about takeoff, and I said something about give me a hip and a takeoff power. Give me a full hip and a takeoff power. You know what they say on a B-36 when they had to go around? Now, Jim, Everybody grab a throttle and run forward. (laughs) (laughs) But in in southern ease, what is heppen? How do you spell heppen? H-E-P-P-I-N-T-Z. I I think, hell, I don't know. I just eat it. Is that is that uh, is that another way of spelling helping? Sort of. Uh, they're, yeah. they're cousins. They're first cousins. You know, down but, south we have a lot of cousins. Well, I like grabbing the <laughs> throttles and everybody run forward. <laughs> That's B thirty six. Everybody grab a throttle and run forward. We going around. <laughs> uh, one of the world's biggest airplanes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, All right, can you do any better than that? Uh, uh, George, what do you got? Well, you know what, Neil? I think I'm about empty today, so I'll pass over to Oh, wait a minute, to, wait a minute. Uh, if else. you're empty, yeah, you can, you can t- tell me about, uh, let's see. what do I, Oh, you said something about Carlene. Where is she? What's she doing? 
No, 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 not not well. Carlene or or Christine. Christine actually drove a, an RV from uh, the state of Washington back to Connecticut, and oh. she's still on the way home. She got okay. stuck in that bad weather down there in Texas. But I got an email from her the other day, and her husband joined her, and they're just spending a little time down in uh, – actually near you, Neil. And, um, you know, so they're uh, – you know, they're still down in Florida, I believe. Yeah. And But Carlene, her husband was ill. Um, I, 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 he was in the hospital. I think he's out now, but I'm, I haven't heard from her in a few days. Well, isn't he some kind of editor at the New York Times? Who's that? Uh, no, I'm Christine's husband. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what he does. I know she writes for the Times. I don't know if. Um, you know, by the way, she... in, in my in my novel, the one you like, Neil, uh, "Flying Too Close to the Sun," Christine did a review that's on the cover of it, on the new cover when it's republished right. in May. Great. Very good. Very good. Well, okay, Mike, what kind of book are you writing? I'm not writing any books. I got enough trouble. Can you imagine me trying to write a book the way I the way I read things? <laughs> I got a heck of a time trying to read things. Never mind any of the rest of that stuff. Yeah. But you know, you were talking about uh, in the B thirty six. Everybody grab a throttle and run forward. I think it was a story. It may have been an Eastern one. Uh, I think there was a crew on a DC nine uh, down at uh, down at McCoy Air Force Base down there in uh, Orlando. It was called McCoy, I believe, at one time. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and, that's, uh, that's correct. And they had B 52s flying in there, and I guess it was uh, Eastern was getting ready to go out. And uh, uh, I guess there was a B-52 coming in, and he had uh, there was an emergency going on. So Eastern had to wait till a B-52 got in, and they wanted to know the nature of the emergency. And he says they had an engine out, you know. So he says, and so I think the Eastern guy came back. He says, "Good grief!" He says, "The dreaded seven-engine approach." <laughs> <laughs> At what number? You know, with yeah. the dreaded yeah. one. You wouldn't even feel it, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the command. Identify the engine. Shut it down. <laughs> well, give, give me a minute or two. <laughs> to you figure out which one it is. <laughs> yeah, give me a minute. Too, down but it it still kept uh it was still on fire minute. even after they shut it yeah, down yeah I, I don't understand well, that what, what do you I, think I was feeding that. the fire what do you guys think was feeding the fire well it had to be it had to be the fuel but when you shut the engine down it shuts off the fuel to the yeah. engine so the fuel had to be coming from somewhere else where it wasn't shut off obviously you know yeah but why, well, where is why, the shut why, off why, i wonder yeah yeah, what, why would it ignite though if if the engine is shut down? Well, mm-hmm. we didn't see the explosion. It might have been residual fuel because we don't know how long it lasted. 
I guess we'll have uh, to find out been. from our old buddy there that's on the TV all the time, uh, Juan Who Brown, that? that does all of those. Uh, he's very thorough, and I didn't. I know he flies a triple seven for some outfit. I'm not sure who it is, and but he did happen to mention he sounded pretty technical to me quite a few times. And I said, that guy's pretty knowledgeable mm-hmm. for a uh, for being a pilot. Mm-hmm. But I just found out that he's uh, he's also an A and P mechanic. So oh really? So, I, so that's where some of that knowledge comes from that he uh, uses in his. He's very he's a good speaker, as you know. Yeah. And he's good at explaining things. Mike, was was that the uh, video that I said to you? Was he the one in that? Yes, that's Juan Brown, yeah. Okay, because, mm-hmm. you know, Neil sent me an email saying that he wasn't a nice guy. I don't know. You know, that's all I know is what Neil told me. Oh, yeah, I didn't tell not, you not that. Neil. <laughs> no, no, not, not Neil Holland, another Neil. Uh, okay. I think Mike knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, Juan, he, he mentioned that he was a he mentioned that he was an A and P mechanic. Juan Brown did on the on the video, and I didn't know that he was, but I've been watching him like what the rest of us have for a long time. He's very pretty thorough with uh, with the information that he that he transfers to uh, the public. Uh, but he did mention that he was a mechanic, and uh, but he wasn't an airline mechanic or. Uh, uh, a, a big technical mechanic. So evidently, he's got an A and P license, and he went. He he knows the basics of everything, and uh, I know he works on his own airplane. He mentioned that on a uh, on a show because I think he's got a, a an old Luscom that he uh, he flies around in. Is he is he on uh, one of the mainstream media? You know, TV, uh, ABC, CBS. Is he one uh, of their? I don't think so. Turn no, two guys. I, I only... I only see, uh, and I forgot the name of the outfit. I had it written down here, as a matter of fact, who he was. That uh, was the, uh, the the website or the, or the company that he actually started or or works with. It's uh, it's like an Italian last name. It's uh, Blancarino or something like Blancario. Uh, huh. Juan Brown Blancario or something like that, and. Uh, he, uh, he, he has, he's been on quite a quite a few years uh, doing a lot of these uh, you know these accident uh, yeah. investigations. Yeah. Okay, well I'm gonna play this. Song. I'm gonna dedicate this song to uh, George. <laughs> I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty If you would write another book, that's what I should have said. I'd be a <laughs> My clothes may still be torn and tattered But in my heart I'd be a king Your love is all that ever matters It's everything So open your arms And you'll open the door To every that I'm hoping for 
Must I forever be a beggar Whose golden dreams will not come true Or will I go from rags to riches My fate is up to you I forever be a beggar Whose golden dreams will not come true Or will I go from a rag to return My fate is up to you Boy, there's a guy that's made money. Yeah. Didn't he leave his heart in San Francisco? Yeah, he left it there. (laughs) (laughs) I just read something about him where he's got Alzheimer's or something. And still singing, probably. (laughs) I don't know. There was an article in the newspaper recently about it. Yeah. Well, he's about 100 years old, isn't he? He's way up there. Yeah, yeah. Fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to tell my Bill Malone story or my Redwood Tree story or listen to a story you guys have got. I'd rather listen to something that that, uh, more. um, Bill Malone. Uh, Now, there was a guy to fly with. Yeah. Did you fly with him very much, Jim? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did mostly to the Seattle and Portland. Yeah, you know he was big on those routes. Yeah, he well, was entertaining. Uh, I'll tell you, he would we would be middle of the night, two in the morning, and we'd fly over Casper, Wyoming, and he'd call the Casper Tower. Casper, yeah, you know how his voice is real out there. <laughs> Casper Tower, how y'all doing down there? You know, yeah. <laughs> they remember. Oh yeah, hey Bill, how you doing up there? You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> I guess a little corny, but at two o'clock in the morning, you got to do something to keep yourself awake. Well, you got to call yeah. him and ask him what the active is. Yeah. In. <laughs> Any traffic in the pattern? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, my story. Uh, you recall that uh, with a layover in Portland, Bill always had uh, his name written on his meal that uh, when the caterer came out to cater, he had his meal mm-hmm. and he'd call it up and it would be a special meal by Joe the caterer and it would have mm-hmm. Captain Malone's name on it. So he wanted the, the uh, two of us, the engineer and myself flying the first officer to know that he had special treatment and special meal. Well, I had a car out there and uh, I kept it there in the basement of the Cosmopolitan. And so I told him, I said, I don't need transportation uh, tomorrow when we go out to the airport. So I went to this uh, great seafood restaurant, and I had a medley of seafood you wouldn't believe. 
by uh, the seafood guy, you know, uh, uh, crab cakes and uh, shrimp cocktails and everything else. You couldn't believe what, what went into that. And I took it and I left it uh, in the hotel kitchen there at the Cosmopolitan until I got ready to check out. And I took it out to the airport, parked my car, or I took the bus in. And uh, at any rate, I, I put it in the galley, and I told the flight attendant, this was before Bill and the other guy came to the airport. And I told him, I said, now, when it comes time for my meal, uh, tell them that uh, Joe sent you a special meal uh, that mm-hmm. uh, you might enjoy. And so Bill had his meal, and, of course, he had Captain Malone on it. And it was, you know, the same old, same old. It was a first-class meal, and it might have had an extra piece of cake or a cookie on it or something like that. But Mm -hmm. um, when I called for my meal, it came up, and it had uh, my name on it. And uh, when I opened that thing up, Bill's eyes just absolutely almost come out of the sockets. (laughs) And he saw that. He loved loved seafood, of course. And this was a lunch caterer. And and he said, uh, Neil? He said, how do you know Joe? And I said, well, you know, I don't know him that well. We met and uh, had a couple of beers together. I put together some kind of story. And uh, I said, I wonder if you could prepare me a meal, that uh, seafood meal. And uh, he, he said, well, you suppose you suppose you might be able to add my name to, to, to the, to the uh, <laughs> list the next time and get me one of those? And, I mean, he actually thought that it was specially created for me, whereas I had paid, I don't know, 20 bucks for it or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> but I don't think to this day, or before he died, he ever knew otherwise. But there are so many stories that uh, I could tell you about, and I'm sure, Jim, you could, too. Yes, and, uh, I had a watch on both arms. Yeah, and he had the watch really? pocket. In his watch pocket, he yeah. actually used his watch pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you were the second officer, if you didn't put the fuel heat on, you know, at a high altitude, we had to put the fuel heat on every, uh, every 30 minutes, I think it was. And if you didn't do it in 30 minutes, he'd reach back there. He had his arms about yeah. five feet long. And he'd reach back there and turn it on and said, I think I better do this, you know, and turn the fuel heat on. And of course, that gets a little irritating, and uh, that he'd do that. You know, he'd give you about one minute past it. And the second officer, we were going yeah. out there again, but and he had a damn alarm clock set up there to ring every thirty minutes. He'd set it, and he'd reach over there, and Bill said, "I think y'all are making fun of me." <laughs> well, you know, Jimmy, before we started the engines, he would synchronize his his all of his watches yeah. with Golden Colorado. You know, with a Oh yeah, and the HF. And then yeah, he, and he would look at it, do that. and when it came off, it was exactly on the hour. He said, "Well, they're they're right." Yeah, <laughs> I used to accuse him, accuse him of Bill. You gonna Simonize your watch today before we leave? And he, but Jim, it's not pronounced Simonize; it's synchronized. So I said, "Oh, oh, okay." I, of course, I knew what it was. <laughs> I accuse him of Simonizing his watch. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a wax back in the in the yes, fifties. You know, your That's car. good. That's good. How about it up there? Old you Bill. guys have any captains like that? Uh George, Michael up there in New York? Well, well uh, we, we had the ahead, uh, we had the 
We had the infamous Joe Myers. Remember him? Oh, God, yes. Joe Myers. I knew him from the pool bar down at Travelers. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, every – back then they had the uh, exact change lane on the uh, bridges and tunnels going from uh, New York to New Jersey and back and forth and over the Throgs Neck Bridge to the Bronx. And every one of the baskets where you put the exact – change in there was a sticker on him it just said get joe myers every time <laughs> every time i went through one of those things i would laugh <laughs> <laughs> get joe myers. Yeah, i never um, had a pleasure flying with him yeah i oh, had a few was, beers uh, with him in a training down there in miami uh, it was uh it was an experience and he was actually the uh for a while when greg donahue was a council chairman up here he was he was the flight safety chairman which was kind of a joke but that's what he was you know <laughs> oh boy greg donahue i've forgotten about old greg yeah good man greg yeah he was he was i didn't um, know him I, I didn't know him i, I flew I, I flew with with him with my dad uh, I know he, he did gave my dad, and even though he was junior, of course, didn't make any difference. He was he was a Czech airman, and my dad wasn't. Uh, and when he used to do his flight checks out of Kennedy, when I was when I worked uh, as a mechanic in the afternoon shift, I would get off at uh, at night, you know, at midnight, eleven thirty or whatever it was. And they used to always do the training over there in Atlantic City, and they would always do it in the wee hours of the morning. So mm-hmm. I know my right. dad. He told me he says he was going to be taking his uh, his instrument check with Greg Donahue, and uh, and another fellow who was the flight engineer. I still remember his guy guy by the name of Joe Peak. I don't know if anybody remembers. Oh him God, yeah, Joe, Joe Peak. Yeah, he came down. Twelve yeah, kids, eleven kids. It, 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 it yeah. was it was yeah. only the uh, it was the only we were the only four on the airplane. I and I just mm-hmm. I went down. I drove a, a vehicle, uh, an Eastern vehicle, down to the terminal. And I just walked on the airplane and got in a jump seat, and they, <laughs> and we went out and did his uh, did his uh, flying. And the DC-861 at that time was uh, what he took the check in. I think it was actually aircraft 770. I still remember that number. And he did his uh, steep turns and all of that stuff. And the Greg Donahue was in there, and that day he even let me sit in the seat for a while when my dad got through. But. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the thing I noticed about uh, that I was impressed with, uh, you know, the, all the lights in the back of the airplane, the cabin was completely empty, and all the lights were on back there. They weren't even off. They happened to be on. And when he was doing the steep turns out there, out over the Atlantic, uh, I, I happened to look that in, in the back of the cabin. When, when, he, when he put that thing into about a 45-degree bank and hold that in there, I noticed that the the front of the airplane goes around and the tail kind of follows it. I never noticed the twist in the fuselage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Greg Donahue, Greg Donahue told me he knew I because he knew I had my licenses and I was trying to get a job with Eastern. He says, you know, get in the seat, you know. And so I got in my dad's seat, and I was playing around with that with that eight a little bit, not too much, and. Uh, and he's sitting down here looking at paperwork, you know. And I says, "Why don't you keep my eye, keep your eye on me or something?" He says, "Yeah, I can tell you're doing all right." <laughs> that was my affiliation with Greg Donahue. <laughs> yeah, he was a uh, very easygoing guy, that's for sure. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story about Greg Donahue and the uh, 
Ms. Uh, the cat, the lady's cat? No. I think no. I may have. Yeah, That's I, coming I flew again. a trip with Greg. All right. I had a trip, flew a trip with Greg, and we came back to at Kennedy, and we were going on to Raleigh, and uh, the station manager came down and went over and found Greg, and we all sat at the table eating, and he said, Captain, we got Ms. Uh, oh, what's the name of that tobacco company? Reynolds, Ms. Reynolds of uh, Major Stockholders and Eastern R. Airlines. Yeah, yeah R.J. Reynolds. And she's uh, going to ride the Electra down to Raleigh with you, and she's very concerned about her cat. And Greg said, well, what's the problem? And she said, well, she doesn't want the cat at the time that the roofs changed back and forth, that that at that time you couldn't carry any animals in cages in the, in the airplane. You had to put them in the cargo, or she just wasn't going to have that at all. So Greg told me, he said, Jim, go up there and tell Ms. Reynolds that uh, we're going to take good care of her cat and that she's, we're glad to have her on board and her cat will not be riding in the tanker. She'll be riding in the cockpit. And uh, I, so I went up, and there Ms. Reynolds was sitting there at the gate, and I went over and introduced myself because I was a young kid then. And uh, she said, oh, son, I'm just so happy to hear this. You know? and, and she had a tinkle. She was having a little cocktail while she was sitting there. And I could tell, I think she already had a couple before. But anyhow, she <laughs> gave me the cat in the cage, and I took it up to the cockpit. And then when she got on, she's riding first class, you know, that you know, up front in the electric was first class. So she's sitting right up there. And while we were sitting in the cockpit, she came up and said, oh, well, I just, this is really good. But I don't know. I don't think she might not be sort of scared. Do you think, Jim, could you sort of hold her in her lap for me and pet her and I can come up and see her <laughs> doing it? I said, well, certainly, Miss Reynolds, you know, I'll be glad because electric engineer don't do a damn thing once you take off. Just sit there and look around, you know. And so I had that kitty cat up, and she came up about halfway to rock down there, you know, and put it laying in my lap, and I was petting it and all that kind of stuff. And and she came up, I probably on another cocktail party, but she just was so happy and just thanked me profusely and all that kind of stuff. And Greg just sat there and smiled and flying ahead. Well, she got down there, and we gave her the, put it back in the cage and gave it to her, and she left and said the best flight she's ever had on Easter and all that kind of stuff. Well, about a week later, I have another trip with Greg Donna, who's the captain. And we getting ready to go out, and he said, i got to show you something. And he reached in his flight bag, and he pulled out this beautiful letter from uh, what was the president of back that time frame of Eastern. Uh, he can buy who, what was his name? I got like, I'm having a mental block. The press Floyd Hall. Floyd Hall. Floyd oh, Hall. Yeah. Floyd Hall. He had it had gold embossed letter from Floyd Hall to Captain Greg Donahue thanking him for the courtesies that he showed to Mrs. Reynolds of Reynolds Tobacco. Went on beautiful letter, beautiful letter. And uh, he, he said, I think I really need to show it to you. So I took it and read it, and he said, okay, I want it back. <laughs> I had to give it back to him. He didn't even make a copy of it for me, and I'm the one that held the cat all the way to Raleigh. You know? <laughs> 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 and that is a true story, and there's no exaggeration except perhaps my her number of cocktails. I might have went overboard on that a little bit. <laughs> or maybe but the cat just loved the trip. She loved the trip. She loved the trip. And I petted her all the way down there, and I had to put my pants in the cleaners, or it had cocktail of cat hair all over them. And Greg, I told him <laughs> that, and he didn't volunteer to contribute to the gym clean pants fund at all. 
<laughs> I did fly. I loved fly with Greg Donahue. He was the council chairman at that time. Yes. Yeah, he was. He was a good man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, the Eastern well. guys used to get you guys used to get a lot of uh, uh, in the Flight Talk magazine. Like you, you, you guys all have seen that, of course. And they mm-hmm. used to have on uh, towards the back. They had the complimentary letters with mm-hmm. all the names and how many letters that they got and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I never saw one of them that was blank. So the guys were doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tons of names on there for compliment, compliments. Well, my my wife is back here, Neil, and she just wants to head out to Red uh, Red Robin. So I think I'm gonna have to leave it with you guys. You're gonna uh, have to find out. You got the, they got any Knob Creek uh, smoked maple for you over there? Oh, by the way, uh, I've been having. I found out that that makes the best Manhattans at Blythe's night at happy hour out on the deck. It was up to like 77 degrees. Karen and I was drinking that, and actually. When I went to make my second one, the, the Knobs Creek was all gone. I had to use Maker's Mark, and I and it, hey. it's a poor substitute <laughs> for Knobs Creek uh, smoked maple. So I got to stop and get me another bottle somewhere to get. <laughs> so much for that. Well, listen, I got to hang up, guys. Uh, and do I have birthday. your permission, Neil? Did I lose Neil? Maybe we maybe maybe we lost Neil. We may have, yeah. No, you didn't. I'm here. I'm getting oh. ready to turn on Johnny Ray's cry song. We're going to cry okay. a little bit. Well, <laughs> well uh, good day, guys. I'll talk okay. to you. Okay, have a, have a good day. All right, see you later. All right, Jim. Have a, have a oh. great day. All right, Jim. bye-bye. All right, All right, now here we go with Johnny Ray. If your sweetheart sends a letter of goodbye, it's no secret you feel better. Don't you sometimes think it's real, but it's only false emotions that you feel. If
song last well that goes back it's got to be about 1950 51 wouldn't it 51 it is 1951 had you ever heard it george oh gosh i don't know i don't Johnny even Ray. remember yeah i used to go around imitating here you're sweet <laughs> oh me back in the day well been fun good good fun talking and about that's about wrap it up. I got to go to the grocery store, buy some more oranges and bananas. There you and, go. That uh, sounds pretty healthy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyhow, good to good to have you guys with me today. Appreciate it. And um, always I'm gonna fun. Put, yeah, I'm gonna put a little Silver Wings music on here, and we're gonna we're gonna Merle Hager it out of here. So thanks a lot. I hope to see Dude, see you. We never find out who Mister Ka- Mister Cal- uh, Calabash was, did we? Calabash, you know, we don't know who Miss Calabash. Miss, we'll have to find out. We'll you know, there is a story about that. that. Yeah. Okay, that's up to you. All right. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Neil.